everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. You know, when I listen to podcasts, they say, you know, episode number, whatever it is. I have no friggin' clue what episode number this is. Dave, Fredo, do either one of you know? We're in the 20s. Oh, I think we're beyond 20. Uh, but anyway. 20s, yeah. This is 25. <laughs> This is the latest. This is the latest episode. Oh, 25, 25. Right on. Um, so, well, that was the thing. Um, first of all, everybody, welcome to this this episode. Hope everybody's staying safe. Hope everybody's staying healthy and not going too nuts, and that your um, your alcohol budget is not being totally blown out of the water. Um, all I have to say is thank God for delivery service and. Um, uh, been visit, we visited Port Orleans a couple times for their curbside pickup. So, yeah, shout out to those guys. That's, yeah. Anyway, and that that is why I run in the morning. I run because somebody asked me one time when I started running about 11 years ago, they said, are you training for a race? I said, no, I just want to drink beer and not get fat. So that's my that was my whole goal. Pants size still the same, so I'll count it as a win. Uh, but joining me as always, um, is Fredo and Dave, but we also have a very special guest today, and we'll give you more of a lengthy introduction later, but Chuck Lehman, um, who is a, I would say, longtime listener, but we're only 25 episodes in, So, but he's a listener, and he reached out to us and has some cool things to say, but welcome, Chuck. So everybody say hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so... Uh, um, no, I was, I was thinking, we were talking before the podcast started, I am originally from Nebraska. I went to university of Nebraska for undergrad. Um, Dave, his wife is an FSU grad. Um, Dave by default is an FSU fan, I suppose. Right. And we're still friends. Um, but he went to K-State. So it's amazing that we're, it's really amazing that Dave and I are friends. Um, actually I'll never forget being at your house. I'm like, Kate, do you have a bottle opener? She's like, yeah, there's that one on the table. And it was a Florida State one. When you use it, it plays a stupid Florida State song. Anyway, so, but Brittany and I were talking because we're that right before that we recorded this podcast, the 94 Orange Bowl, right, is, being, is on NBC and it's Nebraska, Florida State. And um, it's one, and Brittany and I realized that we had been dating for exactly one year when that game was played 26 years ago. So, yep. So there you go. Uh, I'm old. I'm old. Um, but no, it's, it was kind of nice uh, trip down memory lane, but Nebraska still lost. Darn it. Um, but Chuck is a Florida State fan to get to, like, the roundabout uh, – Hey, and that was this great episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Why don't you tune in next week when uh, we'll have – oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but you guys talk about, you know, how hard it would be to be friends uh, considering with the K-State-Nebraska uh, rivalry. My wife is actually um, – I, I, I got multiple degrees from Florida State, and my wife actually – I met her at grad school, but she actually did her undergraduate at uh, University of Miami. So oh, we live in hard. a – yeah. Oh no, it's fine. Well, it's harsh now. It was when we first started dating, like in what 2010, um, maybe not 2010, excuse me, like 2008. 
I think Florida State ran off like seven wins in a row or something. And they, the loser or the winner always bought the loser like a special present after the game and this and that. And it was all fun and games for seven in a row. Now we've lost like two or three and it's not, it's not as fun anymore. But we don't even watch the game together. We go to different places. I'll either go to the game or she'll go to the game or go to a bar. Like we don't watch in the same place because we can't pretend to like each other, be happy for the other person. It's hilarious. You know, and, here's the, and here's the thing is that I actually – I remember um, it was RG3's uh, debut game with the Redskins when he uh, when they played the Saints, you know, and um, I was in Nebraska at the time, and I'm a huge Saints fan, and um, my band had a gig, and so my guitar player and I were watching, he's a big Washington fan, I'm a big Saints fan, we were watching that game on my mom's couch before this gig that we had to go to, and you know, it's it was. Hey, cheer for your team. I'll cheer for my team. Just don't be a you know a Jack McClunky to you know the other person. You know, you don't have to say, hey, that was a really good throw by Drew Brees. You know, just you know, don't laugh when he you know and point when he works. Back, you know, I think that works for pros, but when it comes to college, that's an often that's an argument on Twitter all the time. Like you know, alumni versus like you know fandom. I think there's something a little bit more emotional, like when it comes to colleges and like rivalries and things like that, that I think really drive a nail uh, uh, or can drive a wedge between uh, people when they're trying to watch their sports. And this is the Who Dat Jedi podcast. So we got to talk a little bit Who Dat stuff. Um, everybody, big elephant in the room, Jameis Winston. How do we feel? I guess hey. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a one year deal. It's, you're not committing long-term, long money. Uh, everything's going to be so different next year. So, But for right now, it's a solid, yeah. I mean, it tells me they want to keep using Hill in that kind of uh, tight end slash receiver slash quarterback role. Um, so um, from that perspective, it makes sense. Did you see at CBS? I think it was CBS Fantasy, Dave. Um, that you can now draft Taysom Hill and play him in the tight end flex spot. Yeah, I heard about that today. Yeah. yeah. As somebody uh, that lived in Tampa for a while and was kind of a was a Bucks fan when they won their uh, uh, championship a while back, and um, and the fact that there's a lot of Bucks people like on Twitter and stuff that I don't like, I I, I enjoy the fact that you know he could go to New Orleans, possibly you know get get things squared away and then you know haunt them for the next you know decade that would be pretty hilarious okay. <laughs> I, th I think what um you know what i i guess what it seems like with you know people in new orleans it, you know there's that of course the unofficial motto of be nice or leave and i, I think really it's like we we recognize this guy's bringing in a lot of baggage but i think you know and we'll we'll never forget that that is there but i think new orleanians are willing to you know hey it matters what you do now it matters you know how you behave now um so you know he's he's so far he said the right things you know um that's the thing that um people always say about new orleans is like if you love it new orleans will love you back i mean as a professional athlete that's very true um if you're you know you mind your p's and q's and you and you love the city and you can demonstrate that um, in your actions as well as your words. Um, people are just going to fall in love with you. So, 
Well, I don't know if I don't know if New Orleanians were getting ready to fall in love with Jameis Winston, but I think they're willing. To they will. They the second they see him eating a po' boy and talking about how much he loves everything here, and uh, most most things will be forgiven. Look, he leads the Saints. You know, Drew Brees goes down for any kind of way, and he steps in and leads the Saints to a overtime victory against the Falcons. People will forgive everything. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Win. Winning solves everything. Yeah. Winning it's the ultimate solve. Everything. Yeah. So uh well, okay. Well that was our that's our big Saints news. I mean, we could talk about the draft, but I'm I'm always just kind of ho hum about the draft because it's like how many people knew who the Alvin Kamara was until you know you know he was on the field. To me, it doesn't matter if we drafted you in the first round or the seventh round. Again, it matters what you do on the field. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, I don't know. Any any thoughts draft-wise? You know. It's going to be interesting uh, just you know, as a thought that they went and signed Jameis Winston, they signed Taysom Hill to a long deal, and then they wanted this kid uh, in the seventh round. That oh, they, they went and they – they buggered, you know, the Panthers when they right. found out the Panthers wanted him. They're like, nope, we're going to trade up. I mean, that was a total. They okay. traded a six-round pick away to get Tommy Stevens, who looks to be the next Taysom Hill. That's the way it's being sold. Right? So I think that, that was the most interesting thing that happened after we traded everything from the fourth round onwards to get up and get a tight end. It's just We just went, okay, we were interested in him. Oh, you know, Panthers want him. Just go up and grab him. Because that you know now you got four guys in the quarterbacks room and you know only one of the actually only one for hundred percent everybody's okay with being quarterback. So yeah, well, well, like I said, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, there will be a season to play. Um, heard you know rumors that uh, one of the things they're considering is starting in October, no bye weeks, and moving straight on into the postseason, I mean, right after that. So it would be then, I think, late February when the um, Super Bowl would be. And uh, yeah, that might be a little bit more reasonable. Um, but who knows? I'm just living one day at a time here. But um, Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't see it happening, but uh, me neither. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know. Rebellions are built on hope, Dave. <laughs> They're the terrorists. What are you talking about? So uh, anyway, all right, we'll move on from football because this is a Star Wars podcast. But you know, we have the Houdat part in there. Um, and as always, let's start out with trivia. And Chuck is going to join our trivia game because he has no choice. And um, but we won't make him go first. How about that? Um, so Fredo, I'm going to throw this one to you. By the way. I will ask myself a question. I don't cheat. Um, you guys can see me on this video chat. I'm not looking at these, behind, you know, beforehand. Um, but Fredo, uh, just the first one I looked at, what's the primary target of the Imperial Walkers on Hoth? Okay, let's give people a moment to think about that scene, about those scenes. Uh, think about uh, the future villain from the Indiana Jones and Last Crusade saying it. Uh, it's uh, the Grandmeister Picel. That's right. Uh, it's uh, 
You're talking about the power generator of the rebel base. Yep, that is it. That is it. Ding, ding, ding. You know, I I love the the meme that was like, "What if the in because the guy who was, who was General Veers was in the Last Crusade. Um, the guy who was Admiral Ozel was Hitler in the Last Crusade. Um, so they said, "What if um, the Indiana Jones saga was just the dreams that?" Han Solo was having when he was frozen in carbonite. <laughs> it would explain a lot. So, all right. Um, By so the way, say, have you guys seen the bad lip reading um, of of that sequence? Hostels on the hill. Oh my goodness, you have to see that one. Is it? It's not like super new. I think that it came out like six months ago. But um, yeah, you really have to watch that. All right. Well, Dave, this is to you. Who makes the tactical blunder of dismissing Darth Vader's powers as, quote, sorcerer's ways? Man, I don't know that guy's name. This is a tough one, actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't know his name. Uh, I'll guess... Um, Admiral, um, I don't know. Nah, I have no idea. Starts with an M. Moff. <laughs> Moff. It was Admiral Motti. Admiral Motti. Yeah, I've heard the name. Yes. And uh, all right, so go on to Chuck here. Um, who claims to be more powerful than the Chancellor? Oh, Anakin does. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker. Or they said Darth Vader, which I wouldn't accept Darth Vader because he wasn't Darth Vader yet when he said I agree. That. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, so, oh, I got to ask myself one. Okay, so who assumes Count Dooku, or who assures Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you? All right. Well, that was Obi Wan. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Um, and it's interesting that those last two are um, kind of linked, and it will lead. It's a nice little segue into. Uh, we haven't talked about the Clone Wars recently. The, the the most recent episodes, the the Siege of Mandalore arc is in full swing. Two more episodes left. One comes out tomorrow. The next one comes out actually just three days later on May the 4th. Um, so what do we think so far um, of, of the, uh, the Siege of Mandalore? And Chuck, you want to start off? You were, you were really excited to talk about this. Oh, I am. I do. I, I, I like the Clone Wars and Rebels. I think that's my favorite of the non-novels. I think that's my favorite non-original trilogy Star Wars, actually, uh, um, or these two animated series. Um, I was really interested. Um, I think, obviously, like, Maul is an interesting character. I think you guys talked about it before, like of the most interesting, like unused characters or uh, underused characters, like Maul, like has to rank up there, like in sort of like science fiction, whatever, you know, kind of like kind of history. He had the screen time. You're like, Oh, what's he about? So it's re it's really neat to see that whole, that whole trajectory from him with, uh, well, obviously here in the clone wars and then again in rebels. Um, 
I was sitting there watching it last week and on pins and needles, like when he, when he captured, um, cause he knows so much about the plan, the, you know, Palpatine's plan when he captured the one uh, soldier and he had it and he was meeting with Ahsoka there. I was, I thought for sure that we were going to get an order 66 and uh, they were going to watch the, the, the soldier like shoot, you know, try to fight all of a sudden like turn on Ahsoka. And it was going to be like this really weird way to viewing of what order 66 looked like. And then it didn't happen. So I was like, that was a really, really strange, but no, um, it's, I love, I mean, as a fanboy, I, I love getting into the sort of um, deep cuts and like what's really going on elsewhere in the universe. Like, and I think it's going to be cool because like for all intents and purposes, when I understand it, the episode, uh, you know, on Monday is essentially going to end with like the battle that over Coruscant. So, I mean, that's just really neat to fill in all those gaps and paint, you know, such a, a cool backstory to what, you know, we see in the prequels. So, uh, you know, I actually, it's interesting you say that about Maul because, I was actually thinking, I was watching their most recent episode uh, like a third time, I think. And I was like, man, they have really made a throwaway character into one of the most intriguing Star Wars characters ever created. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, he was, I mean, he had moments of screen time. He was and, odd job. Yeah, in, in Phantom Menace, he was just, it was a great fight scene, a great the, one of the best lightsaber duels. But then he was dead, and it was just thrown away. But they really made him into one of the most, like I said, just complex and just interesting characters in the Star Wars lore. I don't know, guys. What do you think, Fredo, Dave, whatever? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree. Um, he. Uh... What I what it was what kind of struck me was like this is this is the fulfillment of what they've been teasing um, in all the trailers and everything. It's like this is the meat and potatoes of the story that we've wanted to see, um, and we're finally getting to see it. And so for that, I'm just like giddy uh, watching this every week. Um, I liked, I mean, I, I liked a whole lot of this, um, but I think what I liked the most was that. I didn't expect it to be kind of running concurrent to the Sith. And like at one point they allude to um, Anakin's like uh, mission to spy on the chancellor. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, Whoa, you know, that's, uh, you know, 25 minutes into the runtime of revenge of the Sith. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of like, Oh my gosh, they're going to take us right up to, Order sixty six, aren't they? Yeah, they said that he killed Dooku, and I, that was when I was like, "Oh wow!" And then they talked about yeah. this. I was like, "Holy moly!" Yeah, we're we're in Revenge of the Sith timeline right now. It's crazy, right? Because the first episode has you uh, live the actual moment. Because if you remember in Rebels, Ahsoka mentions that the last time she ever saw Anakin was him running off to save the Chancellor. So they give you that moment in that first episode of the arc, and then in the second episode, not only do they tell you. Does Obi-Wan tell you, okay, we're past the Battle of Coruscant. He's on his way to go deal with Grievous on Utapau, and Anakin's on his way yeah. to go uh, Hessex goes by on the Chancellor, which he's telling Ahsoka he, Anakin's kind of having some issues. So we're all about a good third of the way into Revenge of the Sith time. So, which tells me between what happened, what he's Obi-Wan's telling them and what we're seeing from uh, the episode, we're definitely going to live through Order 66. In you know, this. Uh, sorry, Fredo. Sorry. 
No, 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 go ahead. Um, now I was the the coolest part of this most recent episode is the conversation between that this, the long dialogue that Maul and Ahsoka is having, and it's it just it's almost exactly like um, the the scene in All the President's Men, where you know um, where Bob Woodward is talking with Deep Throat, and Bob Woodward is just on the surface and and you know mark felt is like you're missing the bigger picture you know you know bob woodward is just focused on all the on the surface stuff all the you know who got what you know who did what and this and there's a deeper story and maul is like it shows it shows how naive ahsoka still is mm -hmm. you know um and how just just tragically you know um I guess what ruined Maul is. Um, by the way, yeah, did you pick up on the? Did you pick up on the line where he's rallying the Mandalorians and he says, uh, "He said it's not the way of your people to be stuck down here in the gutters." Yeah, I, I was just like, "Those brilliant writing guys." You know, it's like after we just Long. watched the Mandalorian, this is the way we've got to hide in the sewers. He said, "It's not the way for you." But I will say I've heard a lot of people digesting this. I'm going to throw this to all of you. Um, when they've been digesting this last episode, The Phantom Apprentice, and they're all saying that, oh, yeah, Maul, because they saw The Phantom Menace from, and then they're like, The Phantom Apprentice. Yes, Maul's The Phantom Apprentice. That's what I keep hearing. I'm like, no, he says nope. it's Anakin. Anakin is The Phantom Apprentice. So all even all these people who are prognosticating, they're only getting just the surface there's a lot deeper stuff that's going on in these episodes you could even make the argument that uh if you wanted to um that ahsoka is the phantom apprentice because he's basically trying to recruit her and what ultimately causes her to not go for it was is what he says is about anakin um and it's her devotion to him and I found that really interesting because, like, again, you talked about how she's naive still to the ways of the world at this point. She couldn't believe that her former master would be capable of what he's about to do. And uh, it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, you talk about that novel from a certain point of view. Uh, we've mentioned that novel on this um, podcast a couple of times. And it's like we're living that now. Like, this is... Th those events from Revenge of the Sith, we're seeing them for, through Ahsoka's eyes, uh, and it's just, it's just crushing. No, I think what's what's so um, difficult for them to get is the one piece that Maul refuses to give, which is he tells you know he tells her it's Darth Sidious, and I love the delivery that Sam Woodward did for that line. The little kind of catch his breath uh, in between the words Darth and Sidious. It's almost like he still remembers what he did to him, because he does. Uh, but the one thing, the key is, he's not letting them know the final piece, which is that Sidious is Palpatine. If they knew that, everything comes into full view, and they'd be able to respond to it. But they can't. They don't know that, so therefore they're caught, trapped, chasing after ghosts, so to speak. Well, he, you know, Maul, he obviously wants to, to screw over the Chancellor, screw over Sidious, but he also, he's, he sees the opportunity. He even, even says it out loud, you know, that they're, 
they're going to be able to operate within the chaos that is coming. So, you know, and that's, you see the, the crime syndicate, you know, having their virtual huddle there and little Dryden Voss in there. That was kind of nifty. Um, but, uh, no, you know, and I actually like, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a, po- I really like the certain point of view, uh, novel or the, the book. Um, I loved how that was all put together. I love how these episodes are going because it gives you, it's why I never really liked the EU growing up because it was outside of the world that I knew, you know? And so, but here you always have that, okay, Obi-Wan's off to go get Grievous. And so it, it anchors you into, you know, something known. Right, knowing what that story is. And so I love how these are playing off one another. Um, and it, they've really saved their best writing, their best animation for these last few episodes. So it's going to really bother me. I realize, like, as you guys were talking about it, like, I'm like, oh, it leads right up into the beginning of Sith. I'm like, oh, no, no, we jumped past it. And like, it, I feel silly that I was talking. I, I forgot the whole he killed. Uh, um, no, oh, no, no, no. Kill Dooku and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, it's like I didn't even watch that episode. No, no. I, no. <laughs> What's so, the thing? They're cramming a lot. They are cramming a lot into these episodes. It, it makes you mad that they had the like filler it, episodes. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. It makes you mad that like they kind of wasted about two or three episodes with some like like the whole Ahsoka's journey. I mean, I, I understand they needed to kind of get her involved and whatever, but and like, what is she up to? But that was that was far less interesting. I mean, I, I was okay with the uh, finding echo. Cause you learned more about like how Anakin, you know, we talked about, or you guys talked about how Anakin, uh, you know, you can see the sort of transition, you know, and then you have that. And then you had that told the, the, the arc with uh, her and the spice. And I just, it was, I just wasn't into it, but now you get to the siege of Mandalore stuff and it's really, really good. And it's really interesting. It's like, I just wish there was more in the middle there, meat and potatoes wise uh, to, uh, for the season. I think it was a little uneven is all I'm getting at. So far, so it's not. Uh, this is not spoil. This is just. This is not spoiler. This is just. This is Aaron's prognostication here, um, and I, I kind of shared it with Dave and Fredo um, in our Twitter message. Uh, but my my because we have Order sixty six is going to come up, and we we know that Rex said in Rebels, you know, um, we didn't we didn't turn on our Jedi. And we know, so we know Ahsoka is going to get out of this, obviously, and that Rex didn't kill any Jedi. My, my theory is, because Rex is by Ahsoka's side now, and he, the Order 66 is going to come down, but there ain't no Jedi for him or any of the clones around Ahsoka to take out, because Ahsoka is not a Jedi anymore. And it makes more powerful that line in Rebels, I am no Jedi, she says to Vader. Um, you know, she's, you know, if they've made it clear in the, even the last episode, Ahsoka's not part of the Jedi Order anymore. You know, mm-hmm. Maul says, you left. And she said, yeah, on my own terms. And Obi-Wan says, she's not a part of the Grand Army of the Republic. So I'm thinking there's going, that's going to be the hitch and the giddy up to Sidious's plan. Is all the clones are going to be like, oh, we don't have a Jedi to kill. What the heck? They're going to see what's going on throughout the universe. And that's what's going to make them go, Fives was right. And they're going to take out their chip. 
that's my that's my thought. Yeah, shoot no, me down. Shoot me down. Yeah, no, no, the only the only way I can shoot it down is, and I kind of made mention to it in uh, I want to say it was one of the comic books. I forget which one. The uh, 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 renegade Jedi or a Jedi master who's running away gets cornered by the Inquisitors and the first generation of Perch Troopers. And what he does is he kind of uses the Jedi mind trick to make the Perch Troopers go execute Order sixty six, and they turn on the Inquisitors because they're for former Jedi. That's okay. canon. So, and that's he uses the confusion in them in that moment to disappear. Actually, I think that's what killed the tenth brother. So, that being said, it wouldn't surprise me if it plays the way you're saying it because there has to be a mechanism for Rex and for Ahsoka to get out of this. That said, you know that the emotional gut punch of all those clone true clones wearing Ahsoka's uh, markings on their helmets, turning on her will just hit the fan base you know, right in the middle of the solar plexus. I can't imagine Dave Filoni is going to go, no, I'm not going to let them you know, feel this. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a gut punch to Rex. I think, I don't, I don't, like I said, I still don't think that the clones with Ahsoka are going to do anything. I think they're going to get out of this kind of scot-free. Um, and they're going to see what's going on. Rex is going to see, you know, you know, here are the reports of clones turning on Jedi because, I mean, and there's the line that that Anakin says to Ahsoka a couple episodes back that, you know, loyalty means everything, everything. to the clones. You know, they're they're setting that up. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Chuck, what do you think? Uh, no, I was going to say uh, my gut feeling, uh, you know, before I, you, you got to think of all the canon, right? And I'm just trying to think in my head. I'm like, uh, Ahsoka doesn't know that Anakin turns into Darth Vader. So even if like they find out that there's a Darth Vader saying on, on Monday's episode, she's not going to know who it is or if she hears of him, those kinds of things. She doesn't find out until obviously, you know, years later in Rebels. So I, I think, like I said, I thought that he, that when Maul had the tr one, the one, uh, the one trooper in the, uh, thro in the throne room or whatever with him, he was going to turn on him then. So yeah, I definitely can see uh, an entire, like a battalion, an army all turning against her. Now, I think some of them already took, correct me if I'm wrong, some of these guys already took their chips out, right? It wasn't just, is it, was it just fives that has his chips out or did anybody else take their chips out already? Like, could you see some? Could you see something like Rex and Ahsoka like firing their way out, like, and they have to kill their own brothers, like, in order to escape that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, that could be. Yeah, could yeah. Be. Um, yeah. Like I said, that's that's when I I started thinking Dave. You know, Dave Filoni loves uh, those emotional moments. He loves giving you both the highs, the, the high highs and the low lows. So we're about to hit one of the lowest of the lows. Can't imagine he decided to bring all this back just to go. Okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip out on this. No, it's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be I mean, adult, like, and I don't mean like you know graphic, but I think it's gonna be adult, like emotionally, definitely. Okay, we're gonna get to relive people like Plo Koon and uh, you know, and everybody in like Kiari Mundi just getting gunned down. I think so. The subjugation of Mandalore too is where we're going to end up and um and uh, that's probably kind of the undersold bit of all of this um like like how's that gonna unfold i mean i think we have a general idea uh, empire will never leave you know they've already landed on the planet and have kind of bent 
the people to their will at this point. Um, they're just going to reinforce. But um, what's going to happen to somebody like Bo Katan and um, some of these other characters? So I, I, I was wondering um, the you know the the Mandalorians who follow Maul. Many of them have the horns on their helmets. Mm -hmm. Right. Fast forward to the armorer in the Mandalorian. She has horns on her helmet. Mm -hmm. Are we going to eventually, either in you know the Mandalorian season two or whatever, or you know maybe in these last couple episodes, are we going to see you know? Because the Mandalorians, at some point, also they um, they kind of go underground. Some of them stay loyal to the Empire, but some are going to. I don't know. It's. I think. I think the connections are still going to be coming. So. So, yeah. One other thing I wanted to bring up real quick is that I love that we finally get the merging of the two malls. You got Ray Park doing all the mocap, action fighting scene, and then Sam doing all the voice acting and all the performance. And it was interesting watching how they brought them both together for this episode. Yeah, I mean that was totally Ray Park in mocap, right? I yes. mean, yeah. I like it was obvious. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, and it was incredible. Um, it was acrobatic and fantastic watching him and ah Ahsoka duel um, because well, they were using the actual actors. Yeah, there was somebody for Ahsoka as well, and she was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wasn't Rosario yeah. Dawson though? Was it? No. <laughs> so no. one of, one of the coolest things I heard, and a shout out to the Star Wars Underworld podcast. They're the guests that they had on uh, when they were talking about this uh, most recent episode. You know, you heard the whole everybody. You know, I guess uh, Freddie Prince Jr. has talked about it, and other people talk about comparing Maul to Sisyphus. You know, mm -hmm. and. She, and her point was that she said, we literally had that in this episode. Maul climbed all the way to the highest point on Mandalore and busted out the ceiling, was getting ready to escape and got literally knocked down to the bottom. So they, they actually showed that, you know, um, right in front of us. It wasn't just implied, you know, and... Um, I just thought that was really kind of cool. They're they're putting a lot of lot of thought into this. So, and what I what I found so dramatic is how quickly he was okay with dumping the Mandalorians over the side. Like that moment when uh, Gar Saxon is like asking for reinforcement for help. And he's like, "Nope, go ahead, that well. Yeah, you you've done your role. Bye." So, yeah, so, okay, well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's episode um, and Monday's episode. And which brings us to Monday as a very, well, first of all, Monday is a very special day, but tomorrow is a very special day. Tomorrow is 501st day. So as a member of the 501st, um, I, have, I have a standard picture. You're, you're supposed to have a picture taken of you in your armor next to a clock when it strikes 501 but i have a standard picture of me with a in my stormtrooper armor with a stormtrooper clock at 501 so that'll be my my uh profile picture for tomorrow but yeah it's 501st day on tomorrow but monday is uh and by the way i'm sorry let's back up just a second a little sad moment today it's a year um year ago today that we lost peter mayhew 
Um, so, um, yeah, a little raise a glass to the Wookiee Roars. Uh, like I said, I, the coolest thing, I, I got his autograph three weeks before he passed. Um, and that's uh, still just very special to me. Um, but Friday is May the 4th. And uh, one of the best May the 4th that I ever spent was here in New Orleans. Went to Finn McCool's and they had, they had blue milk and some concoction that they came up with. And it did actually tasted really, really good. Um, so I don't know. Um, so how, what are you, you guys going to do anything special for May the 4th? I'm probably just, I don't know, Brittany and I will probably just watch, uh, you know, maybe pick a couple uh, Star Wars movies to watch. Um, but what are you going to do? Anything? We'll definitely check out the Rebels finale, and then also uh, Rise of Skywalker will be released on uh, Monday as well on Disney uh, Plus. Yep, yep. Yeah. If Disney Plus is going, then it's going to be like the big day. For, uh, May the Fourth is it's a big day. You have Clone Wars finale. You have all nine of the, of the Star Wars Skywalker saga movies finally on Disney Plus, and you have the Mandalorian behind the scenes documentary series uh, dropping. Which of all that, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker since the theaters, so I've been holding out. So I'll go. I'll, I'll watch it again and and, and maybe uh, and enjoy it a little bit more uh, this go around. You know that happened to me because I hadn't watched it since you know it was in the in the theater, and I only saw it twice in the theater. And then when I when it came out on digital, I got it and I watched it. And I enjoyed it. I, the things that bothered me still kind of bothered me. It didn't bother me as much, you know, but I, I still enjoyed it. So yep. Dave, Dave, are you and the kids doing anything special for May the 4th? Yeah, probably not. Probably, probably going to disappoint you all and uh, do something that's not Star Wars related at all. Um, but um, Fredo did pass along a uh, interesting link earlier that uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about because as we know, May the 4th is also a big time day for consumerism. Merchandising, merchandising. Come on. <laughs> In the words of uh, yogurt. Yeah. yogurt. <laughs> Space balls, um, the flamethrower. The, the kids, kids love, it. love it. So we'll look, at it, look those things over and uh, see if I want to uh, purchase anything. Well, um, that's. And that's what I wanted to, you know, just there. If you go to starwars.com, they have a whole list of all the specials that are on May the 4th. Um, I won't go what each special is, but I mean, I'll list off the companies. Acme Archives, 25% off. Best Buy has something. Um, Cake Worthy, whatever the heck that is, looks like shirts. Uh, Chaser looks like more shirts. Um, Creative Apparel. Um, Disney Lucasfilm Press. Um, has a, uh, a special entertainment earth is always a good one. Fan wraps, whatever that is. Um, fat head. Okay. Um, GameStop. That's, that's a uh, special Hannah Anderson. Okay. I don't know what Hannah Anderson is, but anyway, um, her universe, which is, um, uh, Ashley Eckstein's, uh, clothing line. Um, she's the voice of Ahsoka Tano. Um, they've got a, a thing going on hot topic um, and there's many more and I'm going I'm going to stop here with uh, Lego and, um, because I think it's a good time to merge into the the meat of this episode and uh, have our have our special guest uh, talk a little bit more about this and so 
I said I'd give the the big introduction. So um, our special guest today is Chuck Lehman, and he is a uh, friend of the program. He said he, he's been listening, like I said, longtime listener, all 20-some episodes of it, <laughs> um, and a collector of Star Wars Legos. He has about 120 sets, 95 of which are ships, um, meaning he has about 90% of all the ship sets in his collection. Um, he also has non-Star Wars collection of over 50,000 bricks. Did you actually count this? So it did a little bit of mess. I did a little bit of an estimate and it oh, might yeah. be actually, be, it might be more than that, but. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll, fin let me finish your, I'll finish your intro here in a second, but I will say there was one time when I started kind of doing an inventory of my collection and then the, I started doing some math and I stopped about a quarter of the way through because I started getting sad. Um, but, <laughs> um, uh, he has been collecting and curating since 2016. It's holy cap. You've gotten a lot of stuff in a short amount of time, dude. Um, and has navigated all the various, uh, various back channels and potential pitfalls people can encounter. Oh, we're going to hear about Lego black market. All right. So, oh, yes. um, let's There's welcome Chuck to, uh, the episode here. And I guess I'll start it off and then I'll throw it over to Dave here, but we have just kind of a standard question for anybody who joins us. Um, how did your Star Wars fandom start? It didn't start in 2016. Oh, um, no, right? no, 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 not at all. Um, so my earliest Star Wars memory, um, and I was a pretty precocious you know, little kid and it was 83. I think I was probably about two and a half. And I, I remember it as they took me, my parents remember it as we went to something else. But I remember walking, I was already a Star Wars fan and I was already getting, my mom was already buying all the toys at, C, at uh, JC Penney's and Sears and all that stuff because you used to buy your toys there, right? So I had tons of stuff already. Um, and then Return of the Jedi came out and obviously I wanted to see it. I was two and a half years old and whatever. And they say they didn't take me, obviously, but we were at the movie theater and I walked in the movie theater. Maybe it was my dad just being like, Oh, well, let's go peek, peek, take a sneak peek. And like job of the hut was on the screen. And as they tell it, like I basically screamed bloody murder and cried and ran out the door at two and a half years old. Cause job of the hut is terrifying at two and a half years old on a big screen, you know, at a movie theater. And so I remember going home and, um, and I know there's pictures. So I remember this like uh, through the pictures, I got the Ewok village, I think for my birthday there that September and all that stuff. And then it came out eventually, what, the movie comes out on VHS or something like that. And I remember my parents were like, oh, you know, you're not ready, you're not ready. And my little neighbor, there was a neighbor that was a couple years older, and he had it on VHS. And at three years old, I mean, I'm laughing. I'm like, I, yeah, I think he came over and played it for me, but he played it for me. And I remember sitting downstairs in the basement watching it like at like three years old, or probably at that point, like a little bit older than three, maybe three and a half. And um went through the job apart wasn't scary and then when the emperor started you know shock killing luke that was basically the most terrifying thing in my life and i was like scarred forever but that that was it i was hooked i mean i thought that was the i thought star wars was the coolest thing and um my mom was very uh she was always like kind of a really frugal and i think in a weird way my whole star wars collecting uh, is probably you know somehow like uh genetically tied to her ability um she would go and find like all the Kenner toys and stuff on sale. And she would buy multiples of them. And like, she would give me one, but keep one in the box and like this and that. And long story short, time goes on. I thought I was going to get over a teacher, like when I was in sixth grade and I had to do like a video book report. So I'm like, I'm going to read star Wars by George Lucas and like do a book report on it. Cause that means I didn't have to do the friggin' work. Right. 
And so, but as part of the, as part of the video book report, I did stop motion. I, I did like the stop motion, um, like a uh, filming of different scenes. I'd be like, cut away to this. And like, I would show the scene and talk over it. And in the process of doing that, um, I, you know, burned and melted and, and used fireworks and destroyed a good chunk of my, um, of my collection in the name of art and, you know, sixth grade, you know, video book reports. And then, so she's just like, you know, well, you know, let's go up in the attic. And again, the credit to her, 13 years, she kept this stuff and she brought it from Ohio down to Florida. And we went up in the attic. And I mean, there were boxes and boxes of like original Star Wars toys. And I, I, somehow 13 year old me convinced her to let me open them up. And again, in hindsight, not the smartest move, but I did. <laughs> and I had, I mean, you name it, you name the toy I had. I think there was a brand new ad at, you know, the one that like the, 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 cha -cha 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 -cha, the little light, the, um, the light guns that like shoot when you pull the trigger. Um, I mean, I had tons and tons of stuff in there and I played with it like probably a little old, you know, I don't know if how many kids are still playing with action figures at 13, 14, but I played with it. And then, um, you know, uh, later uh, in college at some point, you know, you have to, you know, beer money or something you started I sold it and pawned it and did all sorts of stuff like because you're like you're poor in college and sold all the all the Star Wars stuff she was really kind of pissed so I I have a little bit left and then I've let my kids play with it and they've essentially broke what's you know half of what's left I was showing um Aaron before um uh the the stuff that's still in the closet I still have some pretty cool stuff and some pretty relatively rare stuff looking at looking seeing I can see Aaron behind me you're his him behind him uh his collection not as not nearly as impressive. It's a cardboard box in the closet, but so that's Star Wars for me. It's always been about the story, and um, I mean, it's, I mean, literally, it's like the one of my earliest childhood memories is playing with Star Wars toys and seeing Star Wars movies, and, and that that was it. That's been my that's been my uh, uh, vice or, or whatever you want to say, like kind of thing. I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing at age 13 or 14 it was that same friend who brought over Return of the Jedi that brought over an R-rated movie for you to see real interesting stuff. So. No, no, this was, this was a much different. Time. Oh, but oh no, by 13, yeah, I was, uh, I was. Uh, I, I, I we don't have I to get into that. The movies at that point, yeah, yeah, but I get your point, yeah. That was like uh, maybe like Die Hard in movies like that when uh, when I was uh, 12 years old, but. Uh, so how did you get from, you know, collecting action figures and stuff to transitioning that into Legos? So, um, again, my mom, I remember go, I went to New York in third grade. I'd already like had some Legos, but I mean, I really wasn't into the building and stuff. And I went to FAO Schwartz in New York City. Um, and like if you've ever been there at the time, I mean, Lego was like, so this is what, like 86, something like that. Um, you know, that huge Lego displays, like big, huge thing. Lego world didn't exist and all that stuff. So like, you, you, but they used to have this stuff inside the toy stores and they literally had like every Lego thing that was ever made. My aunt was like, why don't you pick something out? And I bought like, I picked out like a plane and this is before they had licensing deals for any of this stuff. And I think I got a plane and a truck and some other stuff. And I just thought it was like the coolest stuff. And then my mom, um, looking to try to find stuff to do with me, realized that, Hey, you know, building Legos together is something you can do. And so um, I got into like the knights in the castle stuff and I actually still have all that. My kids are my, my six-year-old daughter has been trying to put that stuff together with the horses and the knights and the castles. And 
my mom and I would like every, you know, every year or so we would break everything down and like we would rebuild it together and spend some time. And it was just sort of like a bonding thing with like with my mom. She liked doing it with me because um, I played sports. And so I did all the sports and stuff with my dad. And, you know, it, it just seemed like it was like a common I think it was kind of a common connection with her. Um, and then, you know, it kind of really went away. I didn't really do a whole lot of, you know, model building or anything like that through most of most of my life. And then when my kids were born, I, th I think I was telling Dave, um, I mean, I still had all my Legos at my parents' house, just like, you know, they had Star Wars up in the attic. I'm like, oh, I'll go get my Star Wars. And I got, or we'll go get my Legos. And I brought my Legos. Um, my parents live in West Palm and I live in Jacksonville, Florida now. And I brought them up and, you know, my three-year-old was playing with them. And she knew I like, no, I like Star Wars. And one day for Father's Day, she bought me, you know, I say she bought me, you know, they got me a couple little Star Wars micro fighters. And I'm like, oh, these are cool. And I'm like, oh, this is neat. I, oh, I remember doing that. This is fun, you know? And I built them. And, you know, of course, as soon as I build them, I'm like, you play with them. And then she breaks them. I'm like, no, you can't play with them anymore. And I'm like, this is so silly. <laughs> like, I'll just buy my own toys. And really, honestly, as embarrassing as it sounds, that was it. I was also remote. I don't know if you want me to go into this now, but I was, I worked from home and I was basically sitting around the house and like, you know, on conference calls and kind of busy and, and my wife's a psychologist and you know, she was like, you know, she'd have a coloring book and she gets like, like adult coloring books and would color in all the fancy little patterns. And it was just sort of like therapy, right? Like, you know, just relaxing and you're accomplishing something and you're it's busy work, but you know, you're, you're kind of getting your mind, you know, juices flowing. Um, but at the same time, relaxing, I'm like, well, I can do that with Legos. And so I started, you know, picking up Legos and while I'm on the conference calls, I'm building this ship. And then it became a, you know, you buy everything that was available at Target and Walmart, you know, that because they retire everything. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I got to wait. And then somebody told me about Bricklink. And that, that's the segue into the next chapter of my descent into Lego madness. Um, so Bricklink, Brick yes. Um, this is basically an ultimate buying and selling spot for people. It's an international um it's an international uh exchange uh, exchange website um for legos exclusively um you can buy literally i mean you can order you know suppose i mean i don't know if you remember like, the little lego sets they had little little flowers and there was basically three posts and each post had like a little round little petal like you could order a pink petal like from somebody in amsterdam for two cents on the said site or you can find somebody that built some 20,000 piece mock star destroyer and they're selling it for $12,000 and you can order that there too. I mean, it's, it's literally the market of markets for all things, you know, star Wars or all things Lego. But I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of the traffic is, uh, is star Wars. That seems to be a pretty big global phenomenon. I have a lot of websites that are dedicated to Legos that I was shocked to discover um, there's Brickopedia, of course, which is like a Wikipedia style resource. Um, I think there are a couple of other seller, um, websites similar to Bricklink. Um, so it's like a big thing. Um, and I thought that, that it was just, um, I didn't know that it was that organized, I guess. Like the people could have that option. Like, oh, I have this set but it's missing four bricks and you can actually get those four bricks that are missing from that set potentially and complete yeah. your set. I've ordered, you know, hair pieces. I've ordered 
literally like I'm when I say um like a sl little slope piece, you know, that's the right that's a certain color, you know, a little one by two slope. Um I, I you know, I've ordered a bunch of different little things um off that. Um so another thing that's a really funny you talk about it being organized, it's international, which is insane. So like again, it's the buyer beware. And then you have places like, you know, eBay um where it, people that's where the, the greedy sellers go right like i've seen stuff that goes up on ebay that costs more than what you could buy it for in the store you know that kind of thing you know you know retail right now but people are crazy and i guess you know not everybody has access to get certain things who knows but um uh, i i think what happened for me is you you start looking at everything and i had a couple white whales right i'm like i was a big rebels fan and i'm like oh man i really want to get a ghost and then I started looking at the prices of ghosts. And this is before I really started collecting. And I'm like, I'm never going to pay that much money for one <laughs> stupid Lego set. And then you're like, I could get four Lego sets for that same price. So you buy those four Lego sets. And then you're like, well, shoot. Now I've spent that much money. I could get, you know, maybe something half that price sounds good. And then you, next thing you know, you're justifying, well, man, I only, it's only two hours worth of work. I mean, like, I it's only cost me two hours. Know. I want you to know you're not alone because it's like I, I'm not good at saving my money at all. And I saved money to go to Celebration 2 in Indianapolis and, you know, packed away all my gig money and all my, you know, lesson money and stuff. I just saved and paid to go to Celebration. And I came back and my wife and I were on a walk and I, I said, you know, I was really impressed that I saved all this money. I said, I think I want to, you know, save up for my Stormtrooper armor. And she said, it's your money. And then she quickly went, but, but you know, you could. And I was like, nope, too late. You <laughs> get permission. Can't take it back. So, so actually, uh, so now actually tell, tell you a story. So my sister-in-law, uh, my baby brother's wife is, well, she's been furloughed, but she was one of the managers at the Lego store that opened here in New Orleans a few years ago. And she used to tell us the story of the serious Lego collector showing up and, like dropping twelve hundred dollars, they're like, "Oh yeah, let me get the Millennium Falcon, let me get the Bugatti Veyron," and they didn't just want it in the box and open; they wanted it in the shipping box. Yes. They wanted it as as untouched by other human hands as physically possible. And uh, she's telling the story of this one guy who showed up, and it's like telling her of, and he's picking up the Millennium Falcon, he's picking up the Bugatti Veyron, and his girlfriend is just. Arms crossed, cannot believe he's dropping that much. And he just decided, okay, on top of that, we're just gonna grab this set, this and this. I think he said, she says, Oh, he dropped something like eighteen hundred dollars. And I just went, I cannot believe you can spend that much on Legos. And then I went, I realized oh, yeah, that you can. can. Yeah. Yes, you can. It's particularly like Lego Star Wars. That's like the biggest sets that they have right now, uh, between the Millennium Falcon and the Star Destroyer. Yeah, and Lego, like I said, with the licensing, you know, Lego's expensive for, probably for like what you get anyway. But what you know, with the DC and the Star Wars, you're talking about whatever you normally would pay. It's probably another thirty percent premium markup just because it says Star Wars on it. So, mm -hmm. and that gets into the whole idea of like what's value, what's good, what in in uh, what what makes a good set, what makes what makes something worth buying. Um, See, and that's kind of interesting because uh, you know. First of all, I was taught before we you guys got on the call, Chuck and I were talking, and I said, and I've said it before on the podcast, that Lego and Star Wars was like the two great tastes that taste great together. It was like a perfect marriage. But of course, I wonder, this is not on our on list of questions, Dave, but I'm just going to throw this out. So I, I love 
I love the Lego architecture, you know, sets. I love, mm. you know, the Star Wars sets, obviously. But I also remember my brother and I in like the late 70s um, with our Lego sets, figuring out a way to make Darth Vader's TIE Fighter or figuring out a way to make an X-Wing mm-hmm. with just with just the bricks that we had. It wasn't, we didn't have instructions. We It wasn't designed by somebody. I don't know. Do you, do you think that that those those sets that are already designed and you just have to follow the instructions, does it hinder the creativity of people who might want to, you know, use Legos for, you know, I don't know. Does it does it does it take away from the creative aspect or, you know, what do you think? If you're asking me, um, I and I think it's interesting um, that you bring that up because, like, I think for a while, as I start in my collection or when I was starting to restart collect the Star Wars stuff, I was building a lot of that stuff on my own. I felt kind of weird, like, kind of sitting up in this, like, I have like a guest room, all my guitars and like my music room, whatever, like that. And I would sit there and I would build like a Darth Vader castle or I would build some cool ship, you know, based on technique with the bricks that you had. I was telling, uh, I was telling Dave that a lot of the older sets, like the first generation Star Wars sets, I could build most of them with just the bricks that I had because they didn't create a lot of special pieces. There weren't a lot of special stuff. So I enjoy that. Um, I, like I said, but for the, for me, the, the creativity comes in. And I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say this. I, I mod and fix the imperfect what i consider the imperfections on some of the on some of the sets like i got the u-wing from um from uh rogue one and i'm like i didn't like the way the doors open it didn't make sense because like you couldn't store any weapons so i changed it i fixed it and i played with it like that was me playing with it right that's the creativity piece that i think you're getting at is oh i want my millennium falcon to have a drop down um ramp well, you got to do some pretty clever, and for you have to have a lot of bricks to be able to make up for it, right? And then and, and kind of play with it. No, I enjoy that part um, as well. It, but once you start buying the sets and the beauty of them, and like again, appreciating the architecture and appreciating how unbelievably cool the engineering that goes into making them, you, you, I get a lot of enjoyment out of just like, oh, where is this going? Oh, that's such a cool technique. And then you go and get your other Lego sets and you're building with your kid and you realize that you're building using some of the same techniques to like build her something that she wants, you know, that she thinks is cool kind of thing. So one of the things that I didn't realize was that the that the Lego um, Star Wars license didn't start until 1999. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the so Phantom it just feels like it's so ubiquitous. It almost feels like it's just sort of been around forever. Um, like Lego Star Wars, like Aaron said, it's this natural marriage, this beautiful marriage. It feels like something that should have existed forever. And it feels like Star Wars itself in a way, like Star Wars should have been around forever. And it's hard to recall a time when that wasn't the case. Um, and so, like the the very first set was Phantom Menace set, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Darth Darth Maul's uh, Sith infiltrator. Right? Yeah. Oh, so you you got that one, and then here, that's funny. You pull that up, Aaron, and it's like, well, here's the this is the third this is the third generation one that they finally made. You know that they made, and yeah. it's like all of a sudden they're sloped pieces, and things look you know slick and neat, and it, it's just it's funny like how they go from very brick based like almost like minecraft you know style to very clever and smooth 
I think that's really insightful too, Dave. I can't, I think about that too. I can't imagine that Star Wars didn't exist until I was 19 years old. That's crazy. Like Star Wars Legos. That's just weird. Because it feels like, oh, I've always had these. It's just weird. Well, it's interesting. I just took a look at uh, eBay right quick when you mentioned. I found uh, episode one, Sebulba and uh, Anakin's Bond Racers. In the box, sealed, $105. Because it's not around anymore. And I'm pretty, pretty sure that that could go up in price if, if somebody really wanted it. Hundred is it? It's new in a box for a hundred and five. Is that is that the current bid? Because like that seems actually you know kind of low. low. I think I think that was just like the starting bid. So I'm pretty sure they're expecting that's going to go up in price. But it's an interesting <laughs> thing because you're right. You used to. I mean, you would expect that something as ubiquitous as Star Wars would have mixed mesh with Legos, but it takes the prequels. It takes Episode One to bring make that marriage happen. Well, they had yellow-faced, you know, remember, like, the Lego people were, like, yellow-faced characters, right? Mm -hmm. And they had this, the original Star Wars, like, the 99, the two, I don't think they had the flesh tones, actually, until, like, almost 2003. So, for, like, the first four or five years, you had Count Dooku with a yellow face or, you know, or Anakin with a yellow face or what, which is really funny. And then they started making the flesh tones. And then with the Clone Wars, when it came out, like they started, you know, messing with it, making, they look, make them look a little bit more um, uh, universe, like, you know, universe realistic to the cartoon or, 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 or to that. And now, um, I mean, some of the characters that come out, you know, are very um, detailed, like the printing and everything on them is, is very, very detailed where you can look at a character and be like, Oh, that's, I mean, the Han Solo that comes with the um, uh, the Millennium Falcon from uh, Force Awakens, it looks like, I mean, I mean, it looks like Lego Harrison Ford, but the smirk is just right and the hair is just right. And it it really emotes that, you know, sort of like, you know, connection to it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely I, I was thinking a little bit more about um, uh, even talking about the creativity it's like. I, there's the swoosh ability and playing with them. I've, I've obviously at 39 years old kind of outgrown that, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. The minute you fin finish building them as I build them downstairs and I carry them upstairs, I'm swooshing them up the stairs until I put them on the shelf or whatever kind of thing like that. Um, and, and they're just really neat. But for me, um, I, I, I really look forward and I, I, I justify what I have is like, I can't wait for my kids to get older and watch them play with them, you know, watch their imaginations go, let them, I was telling Aaron before we got online, like the rule I tell my kids, like they break, they'll knock something over or break a Lego. And I'm like, what's the rule? And it's like, oh, Legos can always be put back together. And it's like, really, if you think about it, it's like one of the few toys that a kid can drop and it can break into a thousand pieces. And all it's going to take is this time to, you know, not glue, just time, you know, and yeah. they got another chance to put it back together and play with it some more. It's, it's just kind of a cool, you know, almost kid proof type of toy. Then I can't wait for them to get a little bit older to be able to play with them and watch them enjoy, you know, these the way I enjoyed my Kenner toys when I was a kid, kind of thing. So two questions, um, kind of related. One, what is your favorite set that you have? Ooh. And two, um, is there anything that they have not yet designed that you wish they would design? Yes. Um, so my favorite. So I told you I said the the ghost was the white whale that kind of started it. And then after, and then after uh, finding the ghost and getting that, then the next white whale became the Venator class um, cruiser, which I got here. Um, I, I would, if I had to guess, I would probably say my Venator is my favorite. I just got the Tantive 
and put that together. Um, so I like that. But if I had, if you made me choose, I would say the ghost is still probably my favorite. Cause it was like pretty much what made me want to do this. Um, but, uh, Oh, and then obviously this one and then the Tiderian shuttle, the, it's just, it's just gorgeous. It's just perfect. And it's wonderful. And, I love the. I, I'm a sucker for the shuttles, so I have most of them. I've got the Krennic shuttle and the, you know, the the Tidarian shuttle and the Rebel attack shuttle and a couple other different shuttles. That's oh, I've got troop landers and that stuff. I, I, that that's where I'm at. Um, but in terms of what they need to build, um, I'm really, really hoping the things that I don't have that I won't buy um, because they're just too ungodly expensive. And I know that. Um, hang on, let me switch you back around. They're too ungodly expensive, and I know that they'll eventually recreate them. I don't have a Republic gunship. I see yours over your shoulder back there. They'll, they'll, they're going to do a Republic gunship next year. Um, it was voted on by the fans. I actually uh, have, the, I have the Lego one as well. It's back there further. So They're going to do, do a UCS or a $200 UCS uh, Republic gunship set um, for uh, probably for May the 4th next year, which is uh, I'll probably get that when it comes out. Um, but I'm really, really interested to see, uh, and I, they've already announced it. The Razor Crest for Mandalorian will come out in September, and I've already pre-ordered that. <laughs> so I know that's going to be a question. I was going to ask, "Yeah, hey, you pre-order the Razor Crest?" Oh yeah, yeah. The day, uh, the, the second that it came out, I pre-ordered it. Um, I, I'm really curious. I'm really kind of hoping that they build. I said I'm a sucker for the shuttles. I'm really looking forward to see if they build like the Bad Batch shuttle from uh, the season of Rebels. I think that would be really cool. Um, and we haven't really kind of talked about it. The way Lego gets you is like they'll release things and they don't put all the necessary minifigures that go with the set, right? Like the Knights of Ren, the Night Buzzard, which isn't even named in the Re Revenge of the S uh, Rise of Skywalker, but the ship that the black ship that the Knights of Ren are on, that's being released this summer and it's coming with two Knights of Ren. Now, I happen to have kylo ren's new shuttle and i happen to have the other sets that have it so i'll have all the knights of ren but you don't get the only way you can sort of like collect you know complete your set or complete the thing is to you know buy all of them it's it's it, i mean a lot of to i mean toys are notorious for being toy manufacturers are notorious for doing that but um it's uh it's something that i'm looking forward to so um i Hopefully they do. Hopefully they'll do. Uh, like I said, the um, Bad Batch shuttle. I think that would be really, really cool. So we have to acknowledge, though, at this point, maybe that um, there are people who have taken collecting Star Wars Lego much further than you have. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, any uh, any thoughts on what? You know what's out there? People that have you beat? Any jealousy on your part? What? So what do you think uh, again, makes a what makes a good collection? Maybe. So yeah. So I thought I had at this point. Now I can You know, my I, I actually just today from Germany ordered a Malevolence, um, which is like the uh, Republic cruiser or the yeah the Republic cruiser that uh, Chancellor Palpatine's on in Revenge of the Sith, right? Like, or, or it's a, a tech, not, it's actually what General Grievous' ship, right? So I just ordered that. It's coming from Germany. It'll be here like next week, right? So um, I thought I had a really big collection. And uh, we talk about Bricklink. There's a, there's a place called Brickset, 
which is essentially a, da a database where you can enter all the sets that you have and it calculates all the numbers of pieces and stuff. So you asked before, like, how do I know how many pieces I have? Well, I can type in all the different sets. Like I take all my booklets and I can even the old stuff and I can like type it all in and I know what I have and it'll tell me literally to the piece count how many pieces I have and whatever. Ballpark, just curious. Like I said, I have 120, more than 125 cents. I have no idea how, how much I, I, I know how much I have. And I'm saying like, it's, it's, it's a lot. Ballpark in the world, where do you think my, my collection would rank? Now, mind you, I don't have doubles of anything. I have like, oh, I, I basically have like one of almost everything that matters. But ballpark, where do you think my Lego collection ranks? You're probably, I'll say uh, in the thousands. 50 something thousand. There's 50, th there's more than 53,000 people that have more Legos than I do. Now, do I, I, there's no way right as of now, and I've, I've actually written to them funny enough. I've said, hey, you should be able to filter by Lego theme. I want to know where I rank like with my Star Wars Lego collection, not just Legos in general. But yeah, I, I'm in the 50, I'm like, I'm 50,000 in, in uh, uh, sets. I'm 43,000 in total pieces, which includes like all my, uh, you know, all my other pieces. Like, it's unbelievable. And you said what makes a good set. I've seen go on YouTube and ask and see Star Wars Legos collection. People have twenty Republic gunships. They have ten eight you know ten ATAT -AT walkers. They have you know uh, up ten thousand battle packs of clone troopers, and they have a thousand of them on you know sitting on their kitchen table. Like it's insanity. And you realize that like, I, I mean, my retail value and Bricklink will tell you what the retail value of your collection is, right? Like the retail value of my collection is like north of seven thousand dollars right now. I, I could sell it for more. I said, you know, that's what it would cost, like you know, MSRP at the time kind of thing. But I sit there and I think about it, and I'm like, these people must have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of Legos just by the math alone. I mean, if you have, um, you know, ten, you know, if you have ten Imperial Star Destroyers right now an imperial star destroyer on you know if you get a good deal you're still paying 150 for it that's a thousand dollars right there you know what i mean like it just adds up like crazy i i do you want to do, do you want to feel a little bit better about yourself um when sure. i lived in nebraska i the bar that i would i would go to most frequently um they had a um it was kind of a mug club type thing um mm -hmm. and it was you would complete a tour a tour was 110 beers and after you completed a tour, then you'd get like some sort of prize. And after you got done with 10 tours, then you got your own mug. It was a, it's a pewter mug with your name engraved on everything. And, um, and then you get you, your name on a plaque and, you know, then every time you complete a tour, they give you a new placard, you know, or a little new plate that says what tour you're on. And so we were in a, one of these bars in Colorado and some guy had 136 tours. And if you take 136 times 110 um, beers at about five, six bucks a beer, and this dude, you know, was it was like $63,000 on beer, you know, so, so feel good about your Legos. I uh, do. And, and I laugh, you, you laugh and it's like, I, um, I actually talked to my financial planner and I told him, I'm like, I'm like, I'm buying all this stuff and I kind of feel stupid. But then I started sending him like, you know, and again, beautiful thing about the internet. 
um, like Bricklink and and um, and and Brickset, they give you like the history of everything, all the thing, all the different sets, what they sell for, all these other things. And he's like kind of looking at the market, and he looks at it, he's like, I mean, to me, he's like, I I can't see a reason why you wouldn't be able to sell this for more than what you're paying for it right now, based on the even at the used condition. He's like, so it's not like you're totally throwing your money away. Well, <laughs> I'm but, like, all right, you know, let me make people better. So, but here's the, but here's the thing is that and because you know, obviously you know, I'm I'm going to be the last person on this podcast to criticize anybody for their collections, um, you know, because it, and the reason uh, and we all get kind of you know you collect Legos. I have all this Star Wars stuff. We all have our collections that, you know, it, the cool kids might come down on us. But, you know, here's the thing that I always think about. It's like, you know, being an adult, it really does kind of suck. You know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff that weighs down on you. And when I get a new Star Wars something, it's, it's keeping that, that 10 year old, you know, inside of me, you know, seven year old alive, yeah. you know? Um, and, I think it's. I think a lot of people let that, you know, that youthfulness. And my grandmother always said, "You're only as old as you allow yourself to be." You know, it's the it's the Peter Pan thing. You can get old, but you don't have to grow up. You know, and and I see people just get beaten down by, you know, just the things, um, you know, just just life. But then when you when they're nerd when you find out they're nerddom, you know. The, that that thing that makes them smile. It might be a movie. It might be a book. It might be you know, it's Star Wars. It's whatever. You know, so just having, it's kind of like your room that we're seeing here. This is an audio podcast, so nobody else is seeing this, but it's like my room. I come into my room, and it's surrounded by Star Wars stuff, and it just makes me go, it makes me happy. It's just, yeah. ah, you know, every place else in my house makes me happy as well, but this is just one of those things where it's just, you know, you get kind of lost, so... So. I, 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 that's really good. To hear. It, it, it's comforting to hear you say that. And it, it makes me feel, you know, vindicated. But, you know, again, like I said, my wife's a psychologist and she gets it. And I do. I, I almost at least once a day, I walk in this room, I see all my guitar. I was a former musician too, right? So like I see all my guitars and I, and I, and I look at my, my collection and it just puts a smile on my face. I just check in on it. Like, how are you guys doing? You know, Hey, it's great. It's like a pet that you don't have to feed. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you can still love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it does. And it's, it's made me, I really genuinely think it's made me a happier person in the last few years of my life. Just being able to have something silly and irreverent that it's fun and, you know, it makes, and it makes me feel good and it's exciting. Uh, I have to say, you know, you said you work remotely. I, I, as well, I, you know, I actually have a co-working place downtown New Orleans, but I haven't been going to it since we've been in, you know, quarantineville, quarantine, whatever. So, you know, I've been working in my Star Wars room and it really has been this, it, it makes me get through my day a little bit better because as I'm working on stuff, I can just look over and see R2-D2 and it's just kind of like, ah, that's kind of nice, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, sorry, I've been, I've been monopolizing things here, Dave. Fredo, oh, you've been doing all right. Um, maybe we do some quick fire questions here just so that people, I, I, I the way I kind of envision this is like, let's say somebody's listening to the podcast and they're thinking, oh, I'd like to get started with this. This is something I'd like to do because I love hearing you guys talk about nostalgia and, and you know, how it can make you feel um, good. Um, and so it's like, maybe I want to get started. Well, how, do, how would somebody get started? You mentioned a couple of the online resources. Um, 
there's obviously a lot of different kinds of sets, right? Um, it's not just ships. Yes, so I, I think that's a I think it's a great question, Dave. I think some people like to, yeah. You know, do you want something to look at or do you want something to play with? And you say what makes and we're getting back to that, like what makes a good collection? What's a good way to start a collection? And your budget obviously matters too, right? But sometimes people are just like, you know, I really like this scene from a movie. I really like these characters. So buying, you know, Yoda's hut with like Luke and Yoda, you know, Luke in a tank top, Lego Luke in a tank top and Yoda, and it's gonna sit on my shelf and it's gonna make me think of Empire Strikes Back and makes me happy. Hey, that's a that's an easy way to spend 30 bucks. Some other people say, Oh, I'm a little bit more adult. I want something, you know, I would like to put something on like a shelf or on like a mantle. And, you know, they have all these UCS sets or or things that are at least close to UCS. UCS, sorry, meaning Ultimate Collector Series. They realize that like not not even the Legos are expensive and they know kids aren't the only ones buying them. They decided, oh, we're really going to like screw over the adults and we're going to create these like really, you know, <laughs> highly detailed, super expensive sets. Like like we, you talked you mentioned before when we started like the Millennium Falcon, that's seven hundred dollars like $700 or that uh, um, Imperial Star Destroyer that's like, you know, $800, that kind of thing. But they're not all that crazy expensive. The, the one that's coming out on Friday on May, on tomorrow is the A-Wing. The A-Wing's $200. And they're, they're not, they're like minifigure scale or pretty close to it, meaning, you know, you don't, they're, they're bigger. You're not going to pick them up and swoosh them around in your hand. Um, but they look, re they're really detailed. They usually come with little plaques and some information. And those are really nice things to have, I think, like as conversation pieces. And I mean, I, if I could do it all over again, and I've even talked about this, but there's some people on Twitter that we have like a little Lego, like <laughs> a little Lego group that we, we chat about, Star Wars Lego group we chat about. And I'm like, I, I've debated selling all my stuff and just buying like the UCS sets. Like I could trade all my stuff in and just have 10 UCS sets. And that's all I keep. You know, and since I'm not really playing them, it, it'd be something nice to like look at, and I, I, I you know, that would be cool. Um, I, I think you got to decide. Do you want to, you know, do you like ships or do you like characters? Do you like, do you like dioramas? Does that, does that interest you, or do you want, do you like, uh, I, I like, I don't like the, I mean, I have them, I have speeders, and I have walkers and all that stuff. That's not as cool as like a ship that you can just pick up and swoosh around that has a cockpit that, you know, that you give to your kid and the kid can run around the room with and swoosh and shoot the missiles. Like to me, that's that's fun stuff. But it what I would suggest doing is go to a Lego store. Um, don't don't start on eBay because, <laughs> again, we, we haven't really talked about it. But like if you don't know what you're buying and you don't know what things are like, you know, you can go to Bricklink and that gives you it gives you a good idea of what things are selling for. But again, what something sells for in Germany is different than what something sells for in America, you know, and, and there's all sorts of, you know, conversions and you have to decide, you know, if it's worth it or not. Um, but go to a Lego store that has like all the latest stuff or a Target or Walmart works as well and take a look around. And, you know, I think you pick something that is, is meaningful to you and then, you know, that, or that's, that speaks to you and you play, you, you go home and you build it. And if you think it's fun, then you say, okay, what else is out there? Um, but I would not go jumping into buying, you know, used sets from, uh, Denmark. I've done that. <laughs> I have somebody right now that got, that ordered something very expensive and uh, not me. It's actually a friend of mine ordered something very expensive. It got delivered to him and it's not Lego. It's some knockoff, you know, whatever. And like, he's obviously reported to brick lake, but he's still out the $700. <laughs> he's kind of, kind of upset, you know, and it, it happens. Um, and then you got it. And so for me and as well, like I like to collect things that are complete. 
And I think that, and I think my OCD takes over and I'm like, well, I have this much, I might as well get the next one. And, you know, I'm already, you know, I already, I've already, the money's already been spent for the stuff that's going to be released this summer, but I've been a little bit more judicious in that. I don't want the play sets anymore. I don't want the um, you know, speeders or the bikes or the, I, that stuff just doesn't interest me. Cause like, I don't play with it. It's not swooshable and I don't display it that way. Like, it's just, I like ships, capital ships, gun and fighter ships, whatever. I like the ships. Um, and so I, I think it's really what, you know, excites you. My son loves the AT-AT Walker. The eight, and we t- I know you guys talk about it. Is it an AT-AT or AT-AT? Um, AT-AT. <laughs> I say AT-AT, he, he'll say AT-AT, and I'm proud of him. I guess all these people say, like, that's a good thing to do. Uh, he loves it, but it's not very stable. It's hard for him to play with. Um, but that's his absolute favorite thing. He, get, he wants to go to dad's room and take out a ship. And he wants to play with the ATAT. That's his. That's that's the thing that really speaks to him. So you know, see what's out there, and don't be afraid. And I'm a, I'm a, I plug myself. I think I'm like what I don't even know my Twitter handle. I think it's like Doctor Jack Snow or something like that. We can we can fill that in later. Um, talk to somebody that collects, and like they'll know. I've there's a couple people on uh, in our little Twitter sphere, like FSU Twitter friends of mine, whatever that I've never met that I've talked to, and I've. I've gone on eBay or I've gone on Bricklink and found that they say, I really want to start a destroyer. And I, sh- I shopped for one and like, he's like, you know, he almost bought one for $300 on eBay and I found the exact same, the exact same condition, complete set, the whole thing. And he paid like $144 for it. And he's thrilled, you know, and he, you know, he gets it and he, that's what he wants. So um, reach out to people that collect. There's, there is a really big community out there. Um, and there's plenty of YouTube vloggers and people that talk about it and review the sets. If you're not sure if you want it, um, R productions is a website that he literally everything that comes out, he opens it up, builds it and like walks you through and gives you what he thinks about it, tells you what he thinks about it. And you get to see it in action. Um, and he'll do comparison videos like, um, uh, you know, Aaron showed the Sith infiltrator and they have three different models of that. He'll do a video that has all three of the models and talks about the pros and cons. And like, are you a purist and you want the one from like, you know, early 2000s? Or do you want the one that was from, you know, 2013? And it's, it's slick and neat. There's plenty of resources like, you know, digital media out there that'll kind of like walk you through what's there. I mean, I don't need all three of them and I won't collect all three of them. I pick the one I want, just sort of like with the uh, Imperial Shuttle. I, I There's three different Imperial Shuttles. I knew which one I wanted and I got 75055. <laughs> That's the one I know that I wanted. Um, it, it's that sort of thing. So, well, um, what makes you me. decide what you want to pick? Like, what's that? What makes you decide which one of the three that you want to pick? <laughs> so, like, what makes a good model for you? For what makes a good model for me is um, it, the playability. Even though I don't play with them, the playability is interesting. So, like, say for the Tanev, um, I was in a group. The Tanev was actually a gift from some friends. Um, but the question was, did I want the one that just came out last year at May on May the fourth, or do I want the um, um, or do I want the one that came out and I think it's two thousand and three? And I went back and forth, and they were going to buy me and you know potentially were going to buy me like one a used one or whatever of of the old ones. And the old one, the the whole the cockpit fuselage or whatever at the front opens up like on a hinge. And I'm like, oh, that's so neat. Instead of like the little cones popping off the side on the new one. But the new one has a lot of other, you know, greebling and detail. And it, it just, it's a much better, newer model. It's got a handle. It's got, it's got, it's, it's just nicer and cleaner. Right. And I ended up going with that one. And I was really pleased, like, you know, when they, when that was the one that they gave me and everything like that. And it was really awesome. Um, but to, uh, to your point about the infiltrator, 
I knew I knew I wanted the one that opened up in the back because it looked really cool the way like it opens up and Darth Maul can sit in there and it can close and then all the little it, it has the little the, the scooter the little Darth uh, Maul speeder looked really neat I'm like oh I really like that I liked how it integrated with the set I'm like that's a much cooler set to me than than you know say one of the old ones I, I, it's hard to say typically um I I've leaned towards I, I think I don't think I've gone back further than 2007 for any of the stuff that I have. Um, but then you go back from 99 to 2006. I, I take that back. There might be a couple of TIE fighters I have that are older. Oh, that's the thing. I, I also collect all the TIE fighters. That's important. <laughs> the <laughs> only thing that I definitely buy is all the TIE fighters. Cause I have a, that's, that's my thing. That's my jam. But um, I, I really think it just kind of comes down to, I don't have any of the yellow. I don't have any of the old ones. I just don't think it's worth, especially at this point, it's not worth spending the money for something that really kind of looks ugly. If that's, if there's no other way, I, I don't need to have the collection that says it's complete. I want the collection that kind of like looks cool. And some of that old stuff just isn't, just isn't something that I'm really interested in for me anyway. So I'm, I'm a complete neophyte about this um may the 4th is coming up is that a big sales event for lego or not yeah they have deals and um right now if you spend set if you go to the lego store and um, lego does some really cool stuff and they've gone away from it the last couple of years with like how cool it is they used to have like lego vip points and stuff like that um but right now if you if you you get double points for buying anything from the lego store during the may the 4th basically the first of the fourth event and then uh, it starts tomorrow, actually. Um, and then if you spend seventy-five, you'll get like some special set. In the history, historically, um, we haven't really even talked about this. Historically, they used to give away special limited edition minifigures. And I don't know if you guys are EU people or not, and like you know who Darth Revan is. Like, yes. there's a Darth Revan poly bag that came out that was given out a number of years ago. It's the only Darth Revan that exists. And if you want to buy it now, you go on Bricklink. You're going to pay seventy-five to a hundred dollars for it for a stupid Lego minifigure. But that's what it costs. They don't. So, but the, what they've been doing the last few years for um, um, Force Fridays and then May the um, uh, May the Fourth is they have these like little di like mini dioramas that you get. You spend seventy five bucks, you get this limited edition little mini diorama. It's kind of similar to the stuff that you would get if you went to a con and they give out a handout. You know, they hand out like special like you know the door prizes or whatever for attending Star Wars Con this or Lego Con that. Um, it, and it's cool, but I mean, they most, I think there is like up the sets are like up to 20% off. Um, I mean, I don't work for Lego. I don't know the details. And honestly, and to be completely candid, there's nothing I need because I already have everything that's, that's out. I'm waiting, like on pins and needles for the stuff to come out um, in late spring and summer. Um, there's nothing that even came out in this last release last week um, that I'm even interested in. Unfortunately, they started doing these like head busts. So they got like a, a no, stormtrooper, a Boba Fett, and a, and I mean, there's a part of me that's just like the part of me that wants to sell everything and just have the UCS sets. It seems more dignified to say, "Oh, I'll have all the busts and I'll have the UCS sets," but it's just not something I'm interested in, and I'm not going to go down that road. Um, but if you haven't pre-ordered your um, uh, Mandalorian uh, Razor Crest, that's a really uh, good time to do it tomorrow. I don't know if you get a deal on it, but you'll at least get the points and you'll get um, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the little special edition, like freebie. And the points are cool. That's the other thing I'd say, like as you buy stuff from the Lego store, um, you get points and then you can get access to special 
um, limited edition things as well. Like that you can't, again, sometimes they'll say, oh, hey, here's a Admiral Veers or what? I mean, I don't know what. And they'll say, oh, it costs, you know, 10,000 Lego points. And, you know, there's not a lot of people that have 10,000 Lego points. So that makes it a pretty, you know, rare uh, thing to get your hands on. So yeah. a couple of things right quick. Yeah, they're, they're doing double VIP points on Lego Star Wars through the May the 4th sale. So if you want the VIP points, you get double. Uh, yeah, they're giving the little Death Star 2. It's a free exclusive Death Star 2 battle uh, mini set uh, on purchases of like $75 or more. So spend as much amount, they throw in another little setting for you. Yeah, that A-Wing looks really pretty cool too. Yeah, it does. Oh, the A-Wing's awesome. I, 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 but like I said, I don't have any UCS sets. Oh, the, the, the Tantive isn't technically a UCS set. And I I just can't do it because my other A-Wings are normal size. Like, it'll look weird. Like, it'll just look weird on my shelf. Like, I, you know, go big or go home. And I'm not ready to go big yet, even though I've gone big for <laughs> quantity. Although I will say, Aaron, I mean, that Stormtrooper helmet set, that looks cool. That looks like it needs to be in your room. I think the Thai pilot set is. Have you seen that the, yeah. the, the the pilot is really dope? See, here's it the is. here's the interesting thing about collecting, though, and maybe um, Chuck, you uh, it's interesting to see your take on this because when you when Fredo you said that uh, you know that you should you should get the the Lego Stormtrooper helmet, you know, it's I, it's one of those things that like my students when I was teaching. You know, they they knew I was a big Star Wars fan. They knew I collected stuff, and so anything Star Wars they found, they would like. Here, here's some Star Wars stuff. It's like that's not what I. It, it's kind. Of, it's very similar to. I'm very weird. If if any of you were to say, Aaron, you need to read this book, you'll like it. There is probably a hair of a chance that I am going to read that book. <laughs> For me, it has to be. I'm interested in that. I want to go buy that book. I want to go check that book out or whatever. I, it has to be from me to go get that book and to read it. So, you know, it collecting, it's not like, hey, Chuck likes Legos. I'm going to give him Lego stuff. You know, are, are, are you thrilled if somebody just gives you Legos? Or is it like, uh, I would, you know, I'd rather go pick out my own Legos. Thank you. Oh, Which, me? If you yeah. ask, no, I'm definitely, oh, no, it's definitely, I want to pick out. Like I said, I was in. A, we had a little friend group where we all kind of. No, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. That being said, I'm very. All of my students who are listening to this, probably all one of you. Uh, you know, I'm really <laughs> thrilled. You know that you guys. It, it's because it's very nice, especially when people love you and they realize that hey, you like this thing. So, I'm not saying that any Legos you've gotten as a present is a bad present. But that being said, as a collector, it's not like you collect everything Lego. It's yeah. you have your. No, so yeah. go ahead. No, I think there's an emotional attachment. It's like the, the, and again, like I said, it started out with a few th for me, like, and this is the, exactly to your point. It started out like I wanted this, and then you get this, and you're like, well, that's kind of cool too, and you're like, oh, well, I'll never get that. Then you get it. Then you're like, well, if I got that, I want to get that. It it has to mean something to you, and I and I completely and I, and I completely understand that. If you just started sending me Lego sets, I would feel very appreciative but it's sort of like I, I tell my wife i'm the hardest person to buy for in the world i'm like if i wanted it i would have already bought it like <laughs> it's so hard to surprise it's like you, you're better off just asking me because if i really want it there's nothing stopping me from getting it so the chances of you finding something that i want that i didn't know i wanted is probably pretty low <laughs> 
but maybe so, that sounds crazy. I don't know. Well, you mentioned you had a white whale, which was the ghost. Do you have a new white whale? Before today was the malevolence, but I found a guy in Germany and I contacted him and I was like, like if you can look up what they, it's 9515. I know um, Fredo was like on eBay or whatever earlier. Like if you look up uh, uh, Lego 9515, you tell me what, tell me what they're going for on there. Like probably like mid 300s, 400s. Um, Lego 9515, Lego Star Wars Malevolent Spaceship. Uh, if you put a bid, $131.99. If you want to buy it now, the cheapest is $200. Although, uh, if you do the more realistic buy it now, $448, $454, kind of a steal at $360. So, so I that's found what you're going one. for. So I found one in Germany for um, uh, with the euro conversion for one uh, one fifty one sixty two. That's pretty good compared, compared right. to what but, but, that, but that's where you're at, right? So you say like, there's no way I'm ever going to spend four hundred dollars on a Lego set, and mm -hmm. I haven't done that yet. And there's no way I would do that. But again, Bricklink, it's a ba it's it's wonderful. Uh, stay uh, stay away from Russia, kids. Don't buy anything from Russia, <laughs> China, or Indonesia. Those are the places you don't buy this stuff from. But typically, you know, Canada. Um, I've had. I, I you don't know if I, you don't know this about me. Like I have a PhD in geography, and so it's funny. Like I was a geography professor for a little while, and like that's the other thing that I find humorous in this is that I've ordered stuff. I've got from the Netherlands, from Canada. I think at this point, I've gotten them from fourteen different countries. I've got Lego sets delivered from fourteen different countries. I got something from Australia the other day. And it had like these really cute koala um, uh, stamps on it. And I showed my, you know, showing my six-year-old. I'm like, how cool is that? Dad got a letter from Australia with, uh, you know, little baby koala stamps. But um, that's, oh, that's part of the white whale thing, right? So I wanted the ghost and I found a brand new ghost. It was all brand new pieces, but the person had gone in and taken all the minifigures out of it. So Zeb Aurelius is... You know, if you look at U.S. markets, they, they want, you know, they want 65, you know, 70 bucks for them. And I'm like, I would never pay that. But I got the ghost and I had a, you know, I got a, I've ordered a hair a separate. She was only a couple dollars. That, and then I found a guy in Australia that would sell me a Zeb for like 20 bucks. And so I bought it. It took me three weeks to get it. And it finally came and I was happy. And I put Zeb in the ghost and I'm, it's fine. But, and now that set is, that set is like, you know, complete. And I mean, I'm I'm a dork. I mean, I see, if you guys can see over here, I got this big bag and this big box of bags. All the sets, they all come with extra pieces, right? So mm -hmm. I take all the manuals and all the extra pieces and I put them in Ziploc bags and I write the, you know, I write what they are and I have them. So if I do want to sell them, I'm selling a complete set with all the stuff, you know, that kind of thing. And I have there's sort of like some integrity there to to what I'm getting. So the malevolence, Dave, <laughs> was kind of one of the whales. I think the thing that everybody wants. Um, the most, the single most non-UCS expensive set that out exists is the Republic dropship, and it's a, uh, uh, it's basically um, a combination of the Republic attack cruiser and an ATTE, and it that they're together, and it draw, it's literally, you know, it's it's a it's the dropship, like you remember an Attack of the Clones, like as they're on the ground, you see them zoom in, and it just drops the ATT on the ground, and the ATTE starts walking around or whatever, and it flies off. Um, I'm not kidding. If you can find one, a legitimate one for less than a thousand dollars, you're you've done something with your life.
So that's <laughs> that's the white whale of white whales. But even then, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure I would want it because, like I said, I'm I'm like I'm not buying any more walkers. I'm not buying any more speeders. But there is a ship attached to it, so like I'm kind of torn a little bit. <laughs> the loophole, yeah. And in some ways, that's the genius of Lego. It's a lot similar to what Disney used to do and does still, is that they make a certain number, and when they tell you, that's it, no more, that's it, no more. So it only increases the demand for whether it's builders, collectors, whoever, to go and get them. It does. They're like, you either get this now, or you go chase them down, you know, years later, spend three times as much. It's crazy. Like I, 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 my buddy and I, um, Mike, we've talked about it and I started to build the spreadsheet um, I, and I'm going to do that. And I'll report back to you guys. I'll email you back once it's finally done. Like I know what brick link or brick set says my retail value is. I'm going to go and like, look at average price sold like in the last six months for like all my, all my stuff. And we'll see what, we'll see what it actually comes back and says that it's, you know, worth like on the secondary market. Cause it may, you know, I, I want a pool. My wife wants a pool and I'm like, ah, eh, maybe, eh. no, but no, one of my goals is actually, um, is to break, um, uh, is to break them down and rebuild them here. Um, I think that's like my next thing I'm going to do is, uh, that'll be my next project. I'll start breaking them down. Um, and then, I mean, my wife and I sit there and watch TV and I'll just sit there and noodle and build them. Or if I'm on a phone call, I'll just do it. Cause that's the fun for me. Once they sit on the shelf, it's like, it's nice to look at, but I want to, I like to build it. And I'll be honest, uh, I've bought a few Lego sets here and there during this uh, quarantine time because it's a very passive, very uh, almost zen-like uh, hobby. You you almost you just you know chill out. You put the TV on the background or put some music, and you just kind of follow the booklet or you put the piece together. And it can just whether it's uh, depending how big it is, it could spend a, an hour, a few hours. Just building something and building something at the end of it. Hey, you got something built, but more than anything, it's just it's a good way to decompress. It is. And you what's really funny is my friends don't get it. Some of my friends are just getting into it. Like I built that Tantive. I watched Tiger King. I built I built the Tantive in less than five episodes of five. I I watched the finale of Tiger King. I'd already finished it. I started like literally, I opened the first bag just as the credits rolled on the first episode. So I'm like, oh, that was sub five, even with distractions of watching TV, it was sub five hours. My other buddy, who's a pretty good Lego builder, took him 13 and a half hours to build it. So like, cause what, I'm one of those people that like, I start anticipating what the next piece is gonna go, or as I'm searching for a piece, I'm looking on the book for the next piece. Like it's, it's a challenge for me as well to sort of like keep my mind. It, there's a lot of that. I mean, again, there's a, my wife, that's why my wife kind of like <laughs> accepts what I do. It, she understands that there's a, you know, a good value in terms of like the way your brain's working and doing it and, you know, keeping, you know, keeping the juices flowing and stuff like that. And it's, 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 a uh, it's, it's, there's, I think there's worse, uh, there's worse uh, habits and addictions to have other than, you know, playing with some plastic bricks from. That's very, that's a very good point. I think it's a, a yeah, very, very good point. Um, I've always, I've always said with my own collections, like, Hey, I, you know, I could gamble, you know, yep. <laughs> so you talk about so, drinking beer. At least, at least you have something to show for it other than a piece of metal on a plaque that, you know, it's a really nice mug though. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, well, cool. Well, this is awesome. 
No, I was just going to say, just as long as you're not having to knock down the side of your house and building a whole new wing to house it all, you're okay. I kept them in boxes for like the first couple of years. And like literally just in the last year, um, shoot, the last six months, I ordered some shelves and I'm like, honey, she's like, oh, put them up. And I'm like, there's too many. And she's <laughs> like, well, how many could there be? And then she's like, holy crap, what have you been up to? And like, they're actually in a closet. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm proud of my collection yet. It's in the closet. There's just no real, there's no practical space for it. My house is plenty big, but like, this is like the sort of little man cave, you know, guest room, music room, you know, whatever. So it seems like the appropriate place for it. Um, I did have a question for you guys, and that would be, um, you know, what, when you think of, when you think of ships or you think of like vehicles and like the Star Wars universe, like what, what are, what are your favorites? I mean, not counting Millennium Falcon and not counting like an AT-AT, like, uh, not, the, not the big stuff. Like what, what is like, what, when you think of Star Wars, you think of cool ships, like what are the really cool things that interest you guys? Slave one. The X-Wing. Boba Fett ship. Yeah. 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 yeah one of those, you saw that. I got that. Yeah. The, it's cool. I mean, that was a lot of fun. I love that yeah. too. Dave, what's your favorite Star Wars vehicle ship? I like the Jedi fighters from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, those are dope. I like those a lot. And I, the um, the one the earlier prototypes of those from uh, Attack of the Clones that would connect with the to big the, ring, right? The big the ring line. thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know bother the me warp about drive. Those. You know what bothered me about those Jedi Starfighters? And it's like I can I can pull out the toy. It's like there there's no way that an R2 unit fits <laughs> on the, in wing. the wing of that thing. Yeah. There's it's just there's no way. And it, that just has always bothered me since episode two. Uh, here's the other thing that's always not but what's always bugged me is that how in this is in episode. Uh, it's in the sequel trilogy when BB-8 gets into the X-wing because this thing comes from above and goes through the X-wing and grabs BB-8 by the head mm -hmm. and pulls him up. Mm -hmm. Where's that arm thing? When he gets it's to the top, you, you you see him. No, it's an arm thing that grabs him by the head and pulls him up. Then when he gets up to the top, there's no arm thing. So sorry, those are the things I notice. Yeah, I know we we got to throw some of these things out the window, but uh, so well, you know what? It, why, it, maybe it's like one of those like those collapsible like measuring cups. You're thinking, like, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just it falls into itself and back into the back of the ship. But yeah, I mean, how is it going to get BB-8 into the X-wing? Exactly. I mean, you know, the X, you know, in uh, a New Hope, an Empire, somebody had to. Come with a oh, I, put R two into the X wing. That's why I love what what Rebels did. That's like, oh, let's just make Chopper have a you know jetpack, have a jetpack that he can just launch himself up on top of there. Yeah. Um, so, well, hey, well, yeah, go ahead, Dave. I, I, no, I just say one last thing. Um, we pretty much ask everybody this question who comes on: um, which is your favorite movie in the saga? I am not ashamed to say it, and I alluded to it earlier. I, I really think um, Return of the Jedi is like probably the most impactful, memorable, just because of one of how old I was, and then like obviously, um, I think that was my favorite and was my favorite. I understand that it's not the best movie, 
And, but I will argue, and this is maybe controversial. I think the first 35 minutes of the force awakens is the best star Wars. Just the first 35 minutes, basically just until, um, uh, as soon as she flies, as soon as she steals the Falcon and is off, you know, is off the planet, like up to that point, I think it's perfect. I literally was like in the movie theater with tears in my eyes when it came out going, Oh my God, that was the most perfect 35 minutes of star Wars. And then it kind of gets, then it gets messy and it is what it is. But that was, that captured everything. It was all I wanted. If the minute she, the minute she left Jakku, if the movie ended, I would have walked out and said that that was, that was it. I would have been great. That's, I, I think that was the best 35 minutes of star Wars, but I think revenge of the, I think return of the Jedi is my favorite. That's kind of a fun question though, for our, for the group. What are the, the best 30 minutes of star Wars in the saga? Might be mm. something worth thinking about. That's, 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 that's think a whole about other that. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to think about that because that could get quite contentious. Well, hey, it is getting really late in Florida, and uh, it's uh, getting close to bedtime around here as well. But uh, Chuck, we want to thank you for for joining the podcast and telling us about your your. Uh, I don't know. Put it uh, addiction. Uh, <laughs> I know I, I always look at my room and I was like, I have a problem. But then I'm like, no, I don't have a problem. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's There's always somebody room. else. But no, I want to thank you for, for joining us. And this, this has been awesome. Um, and uh, for everybody else, uh, remember uh, May the 4th on, on Monday and uh, that's when everybody will know if you're Catholic because somebody will say, may the fourth, you know, may the fourth be with you. And people will say, and also with you, you know, uh, <laughs> um, and so how do we all feel though about people trying to say, well, then, you know, the next is, you know, revenge of the fifth. I don't mm. like that one. That, mm. that, seemed, that seemed forced, but don't, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of silly. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we'll see how much traction it gets. Uh, you know, May the Fourth has become kind of a big day, and it started kind of small, and now you get people who hate on it. So you know, you know, you made it when people don't are upset about your existence. So there you go. Well, I appreciate yeah. you guys having me on. I really do. Um, I love talking Star Wars, and uh, look forward to hearing more podcasts from you guys in the future. Uh, Anytime you want to talk about Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire trilogy, you know, I'm all about that too, just so you know. Like, that's my jam. Oh, Fredo's really excited. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that, me, yeah, you and me, right here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a future episode. Right on. Uh, really, cool. You guys have a good one. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one and uh, stay safe and uh, stay healthy and uh, may the force be with you. Yeah. And, and also uh, with you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody, thanks for this. It's been another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. Don't forget, you can hear us on um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Podbean. You can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter, um, maybe roaming the streets. You know, you might find us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, please, you know, if, if you like what you're hearing, you know, share it out on social media. Let people know we exist and, you know, tell them to listen to the podcast. And uh, on that, we will see you next week. So everybody say, who dat? Who dat? Who dat? My monkey.